I think we can safely say that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest day in all of history. We give a lot of attention to that, and rightfully so, but when He arose from the dead, was that all? What happened next? Let's talk about it. Christians spend significant time celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should. Um, the greatest day in all of history. And so we even meet on Sundays as churches, uh, most of us, for the first day of the week in celebration and in honor of the resurrection of Jesus. But what happened when his followers went to the tomb and found it empty three days after his crucifixion? What did they do? What did they think? Let's begin by thinking about resurrection morning. That first Sunday, the first day of the week, we know that um, they had had to put Jesus in the tomb kind of in a hurry because um, the Sabbath was coming and in obedience to Jewish law, they couldn't do any work after six o'clock in the evening. So they had to be careful. They had to hurry. The Sabbath was beginning on that Good Friday at six o'clock. So they really just had not had enough time to properly prepare the body and to just get things the way they thought it needed to be. So they did all they could before six o'clock, placed his body in the tomb, and they had the intention of going back after the Sabbath was over and finishing some more of the things that they wanted to do to, to, to prepare Jesus' body. One thing we need to understand, and this has always been kind of hard for me, it's kind of mind boggling and, and sometimes I, it's just hard to think about, but understand that there are six or seven Marys in the Easter story. Mm. So when you read Mary, you don't always know which Mary the scripture is talking about. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Cleopas, Mary Salome, Mary of Bethany, Mary, the mother of James the Less. Let me tell you about James the Less. You know, James and John were brothers. And then there's this other James who was the son of Alphaeus. And um, she is sometimes referred to as Mary, the mother of James the Less because he was kind of like James Jr., or not James, the brother of John. Sometimes he's referred to as James, the son of Alphaeus. So that Mary. And then there's Mary, the mother of John Mark. It was just a common name. And there were Marys everywhere. Well, we know that early in Jesus' ministry, he encountered a Mary in the town of Magdala. And he cast seven devils out of her. So that's why we call her Mary of Magdala or Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, because she became one in a very close circle of friends and servants of Jesus. She followed him. She served him. She ministered in his name. So there's Mary Magdalene. And then there's Mary of Cleopas. Uh, we could say Mary, the wife of Cleopas. When tradition holds that Cleopas and Joseph uh, married the Virgin Mary's husband, Joseph, were brothers. Now, if that is true, and it must be, then this would make Mary of Cleopas the Virgin Mary's sister-in-law. 
and Jesus' aunt. So there's Mary of Cleopas. Then there's Mary Salome. She was the wife of Zebedee, and so she was the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And so that's in Mark 16, uh, chapter 16 and verse 1, and Luke chapter 24 and verse 10. So the Bible tells us there were three Marys at the crucifixion. Now, understand the scripture doesn't name everybody that was at the crucifixion, but it names some. And it identifies Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Mary of Cleopas at the crucifixion. Then it names three Marys at the tomb early that Sunday morning. It names Mary Magdalene, Mary of Cleopas, and Mary Salome. So we begin to kind of get a clue that all of this that was going on, it would be kind of like us. I don't guess I thought about it this much before, but it's kind of like us when families just kind of show up. Families are together. Mothers are there with their sons. Apparently, um, Mary Salome was there close by James and John, who, and, and they were all there at the crucifixion. And so it, it's stunning to think about. Now, if you compare the gospel records, Matthew chapter 28 names at the tomb that morning, names Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. What other Mary? That's all he says. Then Mark chapter 16 names Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the less, or the Mary the mother of James the son of Alphaeus, and Mary Salome. He names those three. Luke in chapter 23 and verse 25 and chapter 24 and verse 10 names Mary Magdalene, a woman named Joanna, and Mary the mother of James and the other women. Well, Joanna was another woman whom Jesus healed of evil spirits. John chapter 20 just mentions Mary Magdalene at the tomb. You understand that the Gospels were written close to 30 years after the crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, why? Maybe we can talk about that another day. But so much was going on and they're processing so much. And Jesus has sent them out into the world to preach the gospel. And so I know that they wanted to get it right. But we also know that this word is the inspired, infallible word of God. It is inerrant. And so the Holy Spirit wrote this book. And so we don't know why the Holy Spirit chose to use these names or these names or leave out these names, but some of this seems to be related to the memory of the apostles who were there and who were experiencing it. I want you to look with me for just a minute at John chapter 20. I wanna show you something. It's not so much related to the things that happened after the resurrection, but it is a beautiful picture that speaks to my heart. And I wanna share it with you and I want you to think about it when you read this passage. Go to John chapter 20 and I'm going to read the first 18 verses of John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now that's always John. 
why he always refers to himself in his writing as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So here is Peter and John and Mary Magdalene said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple, John, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter. That would be John. They were having a foot race and came to the tomb first. And stooping down and looking in, he saw, now pay attention here, he saw linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter came along following him and he went in. He entered the tomb and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, John, entered then also, and he saw and believed. For as yet, now get this, they've been following Jesus for three years, and he's told them and told them and told them, but watch this verse. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. You know, they've been through a lot. They've had to think about a lot of things, but they still, you know how there's, sometimes there are those things that we have, we know, but we don't quite get it. So that's kind of where they are. They don't quite get it, even though they knew that he must rise from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. They just went back to the house. But Mary, Mary Magdalene, was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stood and looked inside the tomb. And she beheld two angels in white, two angels in white sitting in there, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there. She didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came, ran, announcing to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she told them all of the things that he had said to her. Now hold that in your mind, hold your finger there and turn to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. This is one of the things that so stuns my heart every time I read it. I want you to see this. Maybe another time we will do a study of the Old Testament tabernacle and all of God's designs and instructions for following uh, 
the, the Old Testament tabernacle, but he gives very specific instructions about how they're to make everything and what they're to do. Now, just for one sentence of summary, the Old Testament tabernacle, the picture, and all of the items in it are a graph, so to speak, of the plan of salvation and the coming of Jesus. But this one in particular, watch this, Exodus chapter 25, and I'm going to begin reading um, in verse, um, I'll begin in verse 17. And you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Now what he's just told them is how they're to make the Ark of the Covenant. And the mercy seat, mercy seat is the lid on the Ark of the Covenant. And so verse 17, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat and make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end and you shall make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat. So here's this mercy seat, it's gold and, and it's flat, it's a lid and coming from that are these two cherubim on both sides of it. Verse 20, and the cherubim shall have their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings and facing one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be turned toward the mercy seat. And you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I shall give you. Verse 22, and there I will meet with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in the commandment for sons of Israel. So think about this. We've got this mercy seat. And at the end of each mercy seat, angels, cherubim, sitting at each end. What are they doing? Guarding, protecting, looking at, honoring the mercy seat itself. You got that in your mind? Back to John chapter 20. What did she see? What did she see? Verse 11 of John chapter 20. Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping and so as she wept, she stooped and looked inside the tomb and she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And she, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they've taken away my Lord. What's the picture here? What we have here is a picture of what we just read about in Exodus chapter 25. Beautiful picture, because what is Jesus? He is the propitiation. Jesus is the mercy seat. And so what you see here is an incredible connecting of what was going on way back in Exodus 25 with God's instructions for every part of the Old Testament tabernacle to all of a sudden now be right here before the eyes of Mary Magdalene. These angels are alive. They're not gold like they were. Because what? This is the reality of what the Old Testament and the 
um, old Ark of the Covenant, the, all of the instruments in the tabernacle. This is the reality of what all of those things represented. I love that picture. I love that. So Mary Magdalene is there, but we know that, that women went to the tomb. We see from several different perspectives from the Gospels that more than just Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. There were women. And so they always were told by the angels or by Jesus, you go tell my disciples what has happened. You go tell my disciples that I'm alive. Now, think with me about this just for a minute. Can you imagine the emotions? Oh my goodness, what these people have been through. I mean, they have seen Jesus tortured. I, I don't even know that we can imagine the emotions and the confusion, the fatigue, the confessions uh, that, that Jesus followed followers had experienced during those days. So the disciples are in disbelief. It's like, whoa, what has happened here? You kind of knew it in your head, but now here it is. And it's not just exactly what you had in your mind even. So they were in disbelief, even though Jesus had told them this was going to happen. That happens to us sometimes, doesn't it? We know it, but don't always really get it. That's where these people are. But what kind of heart-wrenching had these Marys experienced? My goodness, imagine the trauma of sitting there watching Jesus, whom you loved, tortured, crucified. They've seen his beaten body. They've seen him drag the cross, except he was so weak he couldn't, so they had to get somebody to carry it for him because of all he had been through. But they have done everything to this man imaginable. And these people have watched and they couldn't do anything about it. Didn't know what to do, but what? It was God's design. It's what God intended. So they've been there for all of these things and, and they're, I think they're traumatized. And so now they don't know what to do. I mean, he died and they've put him in this tomb and they're going back to, to do some more things to his body. And now of all things, it's not there. Gone. Where is it? And so slowly, slowly they're being introduced to the truth of the idea of what it is to be raised from the dead. You go tell them that Jesus is alive. You go tell the disciples, women, that Jesus is alive. His body is not here. So here are these women in the early morning of Resurrection Sunday. They had to wait for daylight. These women encounter angels and they encounter Jesus. What a day. What a first Resurrection Sunday. Mark chapter 16 and verse 9 says that Mary Magdalene encountered him first. Scripture says that specifically. John says she recognized him when he called her name. Now, she for the first time is experiencing a resurrection body. We'll talk about that on another day. But she is experiencing for the first time the resurrection body and, and she's not expecting to see him. And a resurrection body doesn't just look like a flesh body. So again, there's so much that they're learning here that 
that it's difficult to grasp all at one thing, but boy, when, she called, when he called her name, she knew. She knew that it was Jesus. So every time the tomb was exposed and the women were there, every time the angels and sometimes Jesus said, you go tell the disciples. And so the Bible says that they went, they were going in fear and great joy. You can be fearful and joyful at the same time. And so these other women, even though he had met Mary Magdalene first, the other women were on their way to tell the disciples and Jesus met them. Wow, what an encounter. He greeted them. And scripture says, they took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Took hold of his feet and worshiped. What do you do when you encounter the resurrection, Lord? You bow down. Worship is always bowing down. And so Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Don't you love it when he says that? So he said to these women, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You just go on and tell my brethren that I'll meet them in Galilee. So Luke says then that that day, that very day, that two men were walking down the road. Why don't you turn there with me to Luke chapter 24. And let's look at what begins to happen after the resurrection. After the resurrection so far, Jesus has encountered the women. We're going to see the record where he's somewhere in all of here. The place, time is not identifiable, but he has encountered the apostle Peter. I just think that's so kind of the Lord. Because how did Peter feel after all of this, after his failure? But anyway, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Um, after they've left the tomb, they're in the 24th chapter of Luke, the women. And so uh, beginning in verse 12, Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. And behold, two of them were going that very day. So we're still on that first Easter Sunday. We're still on Resurrection Sunday. Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other, talking with each other about all the stuff that's been going on, all that's taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and just been walking along with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, well, in my language, what are y'all talking about? What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas. Now, isn't that interesting? Because we assume that it is the same Cleopas that's the husband of Mary of Cleopas. And he then is the father of James and John. Is that right? Did I get that right? So this Cleopas and his friend are walking along to Emmaus and they were talking about all of these things that have taken place. And Jesus says, what, what, what are y'all talking about? And they said, are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's been going on? And they were, are you, are you just totally unaware of these things? And Jesus said to them, what things? I think he likes to have a good time. 
What things? And they said to him the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all of the prophets, the Old Testament, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going farther, and he acted as though he was just going to go on farther. And they said, oh, stay with us. Just come on to the house with us. It's getting toward evening. The day is nearly over. And so he went in to stay with them. And it came about then when he had reclined at the table with him, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened. It dawned on them who he was. And they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Just poof. He vanished from their sight. Why did he do that? I don't know. But look at verse 32. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, found gathered the eleven and those who were with them. So, so far on this first day of resurrection, Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene. He's appeared to other women. He appeared to Simon Peter. He's appeared to these two men on the road to Emmaus. And the day is not over yet. He is on his way to meet the disciples for the first time in Jerusalem. Begin to understand with me that Jesus didn't just rise from the dead and he was done. We're about to look at what all Jesus did in 40 days that he walked on earth in his resurrection body after the resurrection. So what happened after that? What did he do? What were the people thinking? Were they in awe? Were they still afraid? What do you do with a man who's been raised from the dead? One whom you've loved and served and you thought he died and now he's back again. What do you do? We'll find out what happened when he met with the disciples in Jerusalem that very evening. The first resurrection day was a busy, busy day. See you next time.